Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. It's time for From the Short Grass with Trey Shap, a golf podcast for those who love golf, struggle with golf, and just like to enjoy the outdoors and fellowship with friends, all while chasing a ball around trying to put it in a four and a quarter inch diameter hole. From the Short Grass is brought to you by Blackman Auctions. For over 80 years, better auctions have always been Blackman Auctions. And by Beachwood Pinnacle Hotels. We partner with you to deliver high-yield results by managing, developing, and investing in top-quality hospitality assets. And now, from the short grass, here is your host, Trey Schaap. Welcome to another edition of From the Short Grass. I am your host, Trey Schaap. Have you gotten a chance to watch any of the golf action from out in Hawaii over the last couple of weeks? I know I sure have, and my big screen television has been showing me some pretty, pretty views. I'm ready to go back out to Maui and play Kapalua and even head over to the island of Oahu and play some of the courses around Honolulu. It most definitely should be on your golf bucket list, a trip to the Hawaiian Islands. Coming up in this edition of From the Short Grass, no rules segment this week with Adam Carney. We will bring that back next week, I guarantee. This week, I sit down with PGA Champions Tour member Glenn Day, living in the state of Arkansas now. He won on the PGA Tour at Harbortown Golf Links. He won the MCI Classic at Harbortown in a playoff in 1999 over Jeff Sluman and the late Payne Stewart. We sit down and talk golf with Glenn Day on From the Short Grass. Blackman Auctions. Since 1938, better auctions have always been Blackman Auctions. We're back with more from the Shortgrass after this. With all the decisions you need to make about what to do in El Dorado, finding a place to stay is an easy one. The Haywood is uniquely positioned to make your stay one to treasure. Located in the historic Union Square district of El Dorado, the Haywood offers luxurious accommodations that feature contemporary colorful rooms with high quality bedding. Comfortable baths with walk-in showers and a spacious workspace with stylish plantations shutters that are unique additions to the stunning decor in a non-smoking environment. Make the Haywood your home away from home the next time you visit El Dorado. This is Thomas Blackman of Blackman Auctions. Trey asked me to sponsor a show for another few months. Even though I don't like golf, I do like his show. I have no idea how he gets the awesome variety of guests on his show, but it is entertaining and informative even for a horrible golfer like myself. I'm learning a lot about the game and about the passion for playing. So much so, I've started using my country club for more than Sunday brunch. Trey makes golf interesting. I make auctions interesting. For auctions, listen to me. For golf, listen to Trey. Since 1938, better auctions are Blackman auctions. Welcome back to this edition of From the Short Grass. On the tee, Glenn Day. Glenn, welcome to From the Short Grass, and uh, good to see you. How you been doing? You know, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, getting ready to start a new year. Uh, you know, glad that uh, holiday season's over. Had a great holiday season. Kids were in town, so it's all good. Now I gotta, I gotta get this old body, you know, <laughs> cranked back up again. 
you're not that old. You're in your mid-50s. But to get ready for a golf season, what does a professional golfer do to get well, ready? Everybody's different. A lot of people play golf during the off season. I take off. I get away. I get my mind away from it. I get totally away. So that's good and bad. It's good that you get away, you get to restart. It's bad that when you start again, you're starting way behind. And so I go down to Florida and I spend a month before our first tournament. I play a lot. And then as I'm playing, I figure out what I'm doing good and what I'm not doing good. And then I'll go practice. So I'll play four or five days a week. Then I'll go practice, say, a day or maybe two during that and then mm-hmm. take a day off. Do you need anybody to join you for yeah, a round or I two? I mean, you know, it's so lovely around here. You know, we get the weather <laughs> in January, you know. Come on. I was going to say, I might be able to sneak down early one week. Life on the PGA Tour. Now the PGA Champions Tour for you. But let's go back to the PGA Tour where you had your victory at Harbortown. Take me back through that week leading up to it. I mean, you had started your career on the Latin America tour, the European tour, and you worked your way up to the PGA tour. And then you finally taste victory on the PGA tour at Harbortown. Take me through that trek, if you will. Well, I uh, grew up in, as you know, a very small town in Mississippi. I never really thought about being a professional golfer. Uh, Went to Ole Miss, played a couple of years, got hurt, um, redshirted, ended up transferring to Oklahoma uh, had two years to play, played two years, and, and honestly, I, I, I graduated, uh, and I was done, and I was like just, you know, that kid that with just looked in the mirror and was like, well, I have no idea what I'm fixing to do now. Right. You know, uh, and Trip Davis, um, who was on our team, um, he said, hey, uh, you want to go play in a golf tournament? And I'm like, can you make any money? And he goes, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, how? He goes, well, you just turn pro. Well, I didn't have any money. I didn't have, I'm like, sure. <laughs> and that's kind of how I turned pro. Right. And, uh, so, you know, that, that was, uh, it, we kind of got started and that's, this was way before the web.com or the corn ferry or whatever, whatever mm-hmm. it is now. And, uh, so, uh, I went to Asia, um, and that was a three-month deal. It was like 12 tournaments in a row. Brutal. Um, and But as a kid, that was so much fun. You know, looking back, golly, it was so much fun, and we learned so much. Right. And I came back and tried to go through tour school, didn't make it, went back down to Asia, uh, played good enough to be exempt to the European finals. And I also got in – uh, Johnny Walker World Event. I got in an Australian tour. I got in a lot of different things. So back then, you could buy a round-the-world ticket. You bought a ticket, and you went around the world. As long as you kept going in the same direction, you stop as many times as you wanted. And it's a one-price ticket. You just you go wherever you wanted to go, you know? And so I went over there. I qualified for Europe. I went to Hong Kong, played in the Johnny Walker World. I went to Australia. I went to Argentina came home, and then I started playing in Europe. Played three years over there. My three years over there was uh, I was dating my wife, Jennifer, one year. We were engaged the second year, and we were married the third year. We we lived in a little house outside of London in Ascot, you know, really cool. And we kind of wanted to start a family, so we didn't want to travel in Europe. So I came back over to, you know, qualify. I was lucky enough to qualify in the States mm-hmm. and uh, and started playing. 
had a lot of opportunities to win before I did. When I did win Hilton Head, it was kind of a, a let's say it was a backdoor win. Um, you know, I shot 30 on the front nine, and as I was making the turn, I think the leaders were teeing off. And uh, Hilton Head at Harbortown always played tough in the afternoon. The wind oh, yeah. always blew. Uh, you know, And it's a tight course. Very tight, and the greens always got firm and crusty. And uh, I played solid on the back nine and uh, was fortunate enough to get into a playoff. You know, I made I, I, I joke with everybody, I made one putt in my whole career, and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> you made it when you needed made, to, though. I did. I did. I got lucky there. I've had people tell me that you got so much more out of your career than anybody else. And then I've also had people tell me, well, you left a lot on the table. So you know what? I think it all probably worked out the way it probably should have. You have all day on your license plate. Well, I'm all day, and Jennifer's all day one, and Whitney's all day two, and Christina's all day three. (laughs) A lot of people joked all day. Where did that come from? You have to tell me your side of this. Well, it it actually came from Mr. Nicholas. And, you know, he was picking on me and everything. Well, then Jim Nance got a hold of it. Oh, boy. And uh, and we were playing in Chicago, and Mr. Nicholas and I had played a practice round, and Jim was riding around in a cart. And, of course, I mean, golfers are brutal, as you know. I mean, we pick on each other hard. And Mr. Nicholas is no – he's no shame to picking on somebody. Everybody was scared to give him a hard time. Well, right. I gave him a hard time back, and that's why we became – friends and i played with him a lot but jim heard it well lo and behold i happened to play good that week i think i finished like third and when i was on tv nance started it and boy mr nicholas just thought it was the funniest thing in the world (laughs) and now you've got it on your license well you know here here's the deal i was not fast okay and i'm still not fast i looked in the the rules book and it didn't say you had to be fast i actually talked to mr nicholas at length about speed of play and how to because he wasn't quick either and uh you know he he gave me some pointers and stuff and i've gotten a whole lot better but i was slow so i had two choices either i could have embraced it at the time which i did or i could have tried to fight it and then i would have just been run over and uh you know so i just i just embraced it you talk earlier about jennifer y'all were dating your first year in europe engaged your second year and then married your third year take me back to when you first met jennifer it was at burns park okay arkansas open i didn't have enough money for a cart and she was helping steve behind the desk her uncle yep and so i i you know i was talking to her and i talked her out of a out of a free cart most expensive, How did you do that? Most expensive free golf cart you've ever had in your whole life, I promise you. How did you do that? I, we just got to talking and everything, and, and uh, you know, I think she was dating somebody at the time, and I'd actually met somebody. We didn't go out then, and then later we played a tournament at Belvedere, and I met her down there, and Bob came up and played a tournament in St. Louis called Bogey Hills. Bob Ralston. Yep, my father-in-law. Mm-hmm. She was up there with him, and so I saw her there, and, and, and we kind of started dating, and, you know, now we leads to two beautiful daughters. It's kind of like fate, though. Here you are, a professional golfer, and you marry the daughter of of a guy that had one of the best swings oh, that golf has ever seen. Yes, it, it he definitely was. I tell everybody he's the best player that I've ever played with, ever. 
there's a lot of aspects to the game of golf. And Baba was only missing one thing, and that was part of the mental game. He had the physical game down pat, and he played a lot of golf. He played with on the Champions Tour, and he played. Gary Player used to come up on the range when Bob was hitting balls, and he'd have everybody come around watch Bob hit balls. I mean, you'd turn around, and there would be Raymond Floyd and Mr. Nicholas, and I mean, all of them. Trevino, they'd all be sitting there watching Bob hit balls. I mean, that's how impressive he was. Best golf course you've ever played? Uh, you know, that's kind of a trick question, and I'm going to tell you why. I will be honest with one thing. I am a spoiled little brat. My kids tell me I'm the spoiled PGA brat. I'm a spoiled PGA brat. And in saying that, it's because when we played golf courses, they're always manicured oh, to the perfect. best they can be Yes, that week. So I'm very lucky in saying that. The hardest golf courses you ever play were the old U.S. Opens. They were so hard, it was it was unfair so hard. The In 99, when Payne Stewart won at Pinehurst, uh, I can remember, I rem- I don't know the number of the hole, but it's a dogleg right. Now the kids hit it over the trees and try to drive it, and we used to hit it to the corner. And, hit, and anyway, I hit a wedge in there eight feet right of the hole, and I was lagging the putt one foot right of the hole to two putt because if I missed the putt, and it got left of the hole, it's it was going to go 70 yards down off the green. Wow. So it, it the U.S. Open was always a mental, you know, a mental test. Uh, and the golf courses are always perfect. Now, that being said, the, the most fun you have playing golf is in Ireland, Scotland, and it's all related to the weather. You know, if the wind blows, if the wind doesn't, doesn't blow, it's not that hard of a golf course. Right. But – you know, St. Andrews, if the wind doesn't blow, the scores are zero. But if the wind blows, you know, it's hard to shoot even par sometimes. When Tiger Woods came on the scene, I bet your eyes lit up. He was hitting golf shots that, that nobody had ever hit before. Now, maybe Mr. Nicholas when he was younger, but I can remember Tiger's, I want to say it was his very first event. It was at Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. 18 was a par five. Fluff was caddying for him. And he was like 260, 240, 260 out. And it was uphill, this par five. I couldn't even get there in two. I don't think I ever got there in two. And he hit a two iron, just sky high, flew it right in the middle of the green. And everybody was just like, oh my gosh. How do you get a two iron that high? And those were blades back then, yeah. too. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Mr. Nicholas used to do it. You know, there, there, there are few. He's, he's, his talent level was amazing. What has he meant for the game of golf? You know, I think he's meant a lot for the modern game, and I, 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 I underestimate it by saying a lot because I don't know that you can really put a put your finger on it. It's obvious he moves the needle. His ability was unbelievable. Everybody thought, well, he's so great, he hit the ball so great. He never really hit it that – I didn't think he hit it that great. I mean, he very rarely hit fairways, but he had the best short game, and he had the best mind in the game of golf. It doesn't matter where he hit the golf ball. He was going to make a par, or he could make a birdie. You know, he, he just had a mind for the game. He was so focused when he played – you know, athletes, you hear it in, getting in the zone. 
he could get himself in the zone more often and better than anybody else in his era. The only other person I've seen come close to that, and he did it as good, if not, I would say better. Of course, mm-hmm. I'm a little biased. Right, was Jack Nicholas. Mm-hmm. When you look at the game and where it's headed, are you concerned about the game? I am, in some ways, concerned about the game. I'm not concerned about the health of the game. I think we have a tremendous crop of young men playing the game of golf. Justin Thomas, mm-hmm. Ricky Fowler, uh, you know Kevin Kisner, uh, Tony Finau. What a great, great individual Tony Finau is. They understand the integrity of the game. They understand that it, it is a sport. It is a game. But what a lot of people don't understand is our whole sport is built on charity. The whole sport is built on charity. Every golf tournament is its own 501c3, and we it's totally geared to raising money for the community. Mm-hmm. The PGA Tour raises more money than football, baseball, basketball combined every year. Not only does the tour do that, You have Ernie Els has built an autism school in Florida. Mm -hmm. Phenomenal school. You have Justin Thomas has a foundation. Tiger has a foundation. Ricky does a lot of of charity work. Everybody has their own, you know, uh, pro-am. I used to have one here in Little Rock for a long time. Mm -hmm. Everybody has their own. It's all about gearing up to raise money for your charity for your community to make something better when when i leave i want this place i want our community to be better than it was when i got here and that's the game of golf so i think the people that are involved in the game it's wonderful i think the sport itself technology you know of course you're going to hear all the old guys like me is going to gripe about certain technologies and this and that athletes are better playing the game of golf the money has gotten better. Tiger brought in a bunch of money. Not only Tiger, the sport itself mm-hmm. is is so popular. They play for a lot of money. So now you have, let's say, somebody that may have pursued baseball as through high school in their career that was a pretty good golfer that said, hey, Ricky Fowler just made $60 million dollars. And he's not getting his brains beat in, and he doesn't have to do this. And he, you know, in football, and it's, I'm going to go play golf. Right. So we have tremendous athletes. Dustin Johnson, obviously, is a tremendous athlete. Oh, yeah. There, there are multiple, multiple guys out there now that uh, back in the day, it wasn't a, no. about hitting the weights in the gym and, and working out. No. And you have to now to no. compete out there. So I'll tell you a funny story. Hubert Green, I saw Hubert Green when he was 49. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was getting ready to go to the Champions Tour, and he was playing in Memphis. And he said, I remember when this tour used to be fun. He said, you kids screwed it up. He said, and I'll tell you exactly what you kids did. He said, you started bringing briefcases out here and made it a business. And now it's a business that's no fun anymore. So that was Hubert Green's take, okay? Now, I'm the old guy. I'm going to give you my take. I remember when the tour used to be fun. When everybody had a good time 
and I'll tell you exactly what screwed it up. They started bringing fitness trailers out there. I was going to say. And these kids started working out. <laughs> and now, you know, you, you it wasn't any fun anymore. You had to go work out all the time. They didn't have to have room for the fitness trailers no, back when you played. No, they did not. You know, you got done playing. You went in. You, went, you, you had out, a beer You had a beer. And you, tell, you know, you got it over with, you know. Take me inside the car the first time you turned on to Magnolia Lane at the Masters. I had gone to Augusta to play before the tournament, and I'd already always said I wasn't going to go play until I was going to play in the tournament. Mm -hmm. And so Mr. Ford invited me to go play, and we went with uh, Dr. McMore. I was able to take Ronnie Roach, uh, who passed away years and years ago, and the, and the four of us went over and played. So that was the first time I'd actually gone to play. And so I was so excited about the tournament. You know, when you turned, in the, this was in the old days, obviously, and you turned and you went up Magnolia Lane, you had your car, you know, in the parking spot, and everything was great. The driving range was on, on, on the right side of it, right? Uh, the driving range was on the right side, and you had a little chipping green on the left side yeah. over here, you know, and everything. And so it, it was good. You went and registered and all. And uh, But I will tell you this, the, uh, the majors specifically, but Augusta, really specifically during the tournament is a a very very stressful week it's not a lot of fun as opposed to going to play it with some of the members or whatever that's sure. a lot of fun okay yeah. that's a blast the tournament itself is extremely stressful because it is the masters number one number two you want to play good number three everybody wants to go jennifer and i made a spreadsheet because you only got X amount of tickets. You don't just get as many tickets as you want. And Jennifer had to have one. And, you know, you didn't have family badges. Right. Everybody had to have a ticket. So we only had X amount of tickets. Well, I had all these people that wanted to go. I was trying to make everybody happy. And I let that get in the way of my golf. Yeah. I did. The next year I went, I did it a little differently. And it was a lot easier. It was a lot more fun. It was a lot better. Uh, after that, I changed the way I did things. But... That first year was was extremely stressful. Golfers pick up on some things that they see other golfers do. I picked up on something that I saw you do over in Memphis, the FedEx St. Jude Classic. Okay. Doesn't involve the swing. There's a bucket of ice water on the tee box. Yeah. Explain to the listeners of this podcast why they have buckets of waters on the tee box in Memphis. It's so hot and you sweat so much. And your hands get so sweaty, you got sweat running down your arms, you got sweat, you wash your hands on every hole. If you wash your hands and you dry your hands off, then you can hold the club for the driver and you can hold the club for the second shot. And by the time you got to the next tee box, you know, you're just soaking wet. Some people's hands sweat, some people don't. Brant Job, for instance, his he, his hands are so dry in the middle of the summer, he never sweats. He can put a glove on, never take it off. I'll go through three gloves playing one round of golf in the middle of the summer. Yeah. Uh, Todd Hamilton always had thing of powder in his bag, and he always put powder. You know, everybody's different. But that's why it not only in Memphis, but a lot of places, every hole they'll have either a bottle of water or, you know, in an ice chest or whatever. You always, always wash your hands. I thought, what is he doing? He's wetting his hands down. How's he going to hold the club with it? Well, you towel it off, you idiot. Yeah. You got to, you got to, because if you don't, it's, you're just soaked and right. your, your glove gets so wet 
that you're holding your golf grip and you've got your right hand is on top of your left hand on the grip. So on top of the thumb of the glove, it just gets soaking wet and and slip all over the place. All right, last question. If you could have a fantasy foursome passed on or living today, who would it be and what course are you playing? Well, you know, I've been asked that a lot and and I, I have a pretty standard answer okay it would be my grandfather emory lane uh and uh mr bill trimble and i would play back at pearl river valley country club little nine hole course that i grew up on um when i was uh you know eight nine ten eleven years old i used to go out with my grandfather we didn't there was no driving range uh and no nothing nine hole course and he would go play with all his friends and he would leave me a nine iron and a putter and four balls, and there was a little putting green. And he'd go, "You just sit around here and play." And and you know we're they would play nine holes and come back, and and then I would get a coke, and a bottle of coke, and a packet of salted peanuts. Yeah. Pour it in the coke. Oh yeah. That was lunch, and uh, and then I would play. And then when I got to a little older, eleven, maybe twelve, about eleven. They would let me play nine holes with them. When did you start beating them? Well, I can. When I back then as a kid, I never recorded a score with my grandfather or my grandmother or anybody I played of ninety. I've never remember ever shooting a ninety. I always shot in the eighties. So, and they would shoot mid eighties, you know. There, so. You know, I would I I was beating them, and uh, we had another guy. His name was Racehorse Cochran, Mister Cochran. He they used to play for quarters, and they played what they called a rabbit. If somebody you know get the rabbit, or they play quarters, and I won one day. And I remember Mister Cochran pitched to fit. He was not paying a twelve year old kid fifty cents. <laughs> I'll never forget that. He pitched a royal fit. He got Man. mad and left. Man. That's some so, great memories. But yeah, I would I would play with them. Just just I, I mean, you know, those guys grew up and went through the depression and everything. And I can remember sitting and listening to their stories and you know and telling. Uh, Emory Lane told the funniest story. I I still tell it to this day. He goes, "Boy, you kids, you don't know how lucky you got it." You know, da 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 da. He said, when I grew up in the Depression, he said, I had three brothers and mother and daddy. He said, my daddy give me two shotgun shells. He said, son, go out and kill a rabbit. We got to have some dinner. He said, boy, I tell you what, you'd have to run alongside them rabbits, feel them, see if they were big enough to shoot. <laughs> you know, and I remember yeah. him telling the story. Well, that's so great. that would be my, you know, that would be my foursome. It, it it has nothing to do with golf. The The older you get and the more that you understand the game of golf is basically an avenue to other things in life. Mm-hmm. And it mirrors life. You know, you, you we both woke up this morning thinking that some something's going to happen today, whatever it is. Well, as you were coming to work, something happened mm-hmm. that changed the outcome of the way the day was going to go. You tee off on the first hole. You got every, you know, ambitions and, you know, a birdie in that first hole. Well, you foul tip it in a bunker and you make a bogey. Well, what are you going to do? You got to rebound. You, you got to adjust. Or are you no. going to do something else? Yeah. You know, so the the sport itself relates so much in the life and life relates so much into it. 
that's why when you play golf, you can play 18 holes with a man and know his character pretty quick. No doubt about it. Glenn, best of luck. Thank you. Appreciate you for joining us. Enjoyed it. Thank you. I want to thank Glenn Day for coming in and sitting down with us on this edition of From the Shortgrass. Beachwood Pinnacle Hotels, one of our great sponsors here on From the Shortgrass. Whether you are traveling for work or for play, go to bphotels.com and make sure you find a Beachwood Pinnacle Hotel property close to your destination for your next overnight stay. We're back to wrap it up after this. This is Thomas Blackman of Blackman Auctions. Trey asked me to sponsor a show for another few months. Even though I don't like golf, I do like his show. I have no idea how he gets the awesome variety of guests on his show, but it is entertaining and informative even for a horrible golfer like myself. I'm learning a lot about the game and about the passion for playing. So much so, I've started using my country club for more than Sunday brunch. Trey makes golf interesting. I make auctions interesting. For auctions, listen to me. For golf, listen to Trey. Since 1938, better auctions are Blackman Auctions. With all the decisions you need to make about what to do in El Dorado, finding a place to stay is an easy one. The Haywood is uniquely positioned to make your stay one to treasure. Located in the historic Union Square district of El Dorado, the Haywood offers luxurious accommodations that feature contemporary, colorful rooms with high-quality bedding. Comfortable baths with walk-in showers and a spacious workspace with stylish plantation shutters that are unique additions to the stunning decor in a non-smoking environment. Make the Haywood your home away from home the next time you visit El Dorado. That will do it for this edition of From the Shortgrass. I leave you with this golf quote from Tom Watson, who will join Jack Nicholas and Gary Player to hit the honorary tee shots at this year's Masters Tournament. Confidence in golf means being able to concentrate on the problem at hand with no outside interference. I hope you have a great round the next time you are on the course and when you find your ball mark on the green, fix it and a couple of more. And I hope to see you from the short grass. You've been listening to From the Short Grass, a weekly podcast dedicated to the game of golf. This has been a presentation of the Buzz Radio Network.